Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Coach My World. I am Renee Roberts and I am your coach for this episode. Thank you guys for continuing to share and to download the podcast. I want you to continue to share and download the podcast. Also, don't forget to check out my website at IamReneeRoberts.com. There you can book a private coaching session with me and also check out my Facebook and Instagram platforms at IamReneeRoberts. And of course, my ultimate goal is for each episode to be a therapeutic time of self-discovery, healing, and for progress for your life. And of course, I am ready to get your life moving forward. Listen, guys, the last uh, podcast, the last uh, part one to this part two uh, was really impactful. I am still getting inboxes and and texts from people I know, uh, inboxes from people I don't know that are really being impacted by that uh, particular episode. And I realized that, you know, we don't talk enough about what to do after death. We don't talk enough enough about what to do when someone dies. Um, You know, there are a million and one, and I'm being exaggerant, but there are a a many, uh, a multiplicity of things on how to grieve and the different steps in grieving. Uh, but there is very, the, the, it, it's very few and very rare that you hear about how to, to be a support to someone who grieves. Um, and so I'm understanding that the more I, um, get the feedback and I am just happy to be a, a, I don't know what to call it. I'm happy to coach you through this, supporters. I'm happy to coach you through this. So I wanted to not leave you there. I wanted to kind of conclude on a part two. And this one is really dealing with what to do after the burial. Um, You know, once again, uh, going off of my personal experience and my best friend just losing her mom uh, not too long ago uh, and the burial just happening last weekend. And just brought to mind some other things as I'm doing observations, sitting with her and sit, sitting with her in her pain and um, observing how people are responding. And honestly, people don't know what to do. We do what we've been conditioned to do based on cultural experiences. We do what we do based on our churches. We do what we do based on, uh, we get our cues from other things, but there is, you know, no one has really sat down and say, Hey, this is what people really need during these times. Not so much what we've been offering all of these years and all of these decades, but this is what they really, really, really need at this time. So after such an overwhelming response to last week's podcast, I would be remiss to not expand the conversation to include tools for what to do after the burial. What are we doing? Now that the services have concluded and everyone else has resumed their normal activities, how do you continue to support without interfering with that individual's healing process? How do you continue to support without forgetting about them because your life has now resumed normalcy? Remember, the individual you're supporting has just suffered loss and and they've just had a traumatic experience that won't heal fast. I was just telling my best friend, I said, listen, you know, because uh, she's sitting and she doesn't mind me talking about it. She told me to be free, feel free to talk about it. Uh, but, you know, she's in pain. You know, she feels the pain in different levels at different times. And I told her, I said, Mama, you're going to be hurting for a long time. Like healing does not happen fast. It takes time to heal. Everyone grieves differently differently. 
But healing uh, is healing. (laughs) And it takes time for everyone to heal. And you know what? A true supporter is going to be in for that long haul, not just during the activities for the bereaved, but for the long haul, for what happens after all of the activities have stopped. So I've created a list. Y'all know I love lists of eight things, eight ways we can continue to support after the burial. And I want to kind of get right in it uh, so that you can listen to this and listen to it over and over. I want this short enough where you can just keep playing it back to yourself. Because like I've said in the last podcast, you know, you're supporting today, but you may need the support tomorrow. And we want to make sure that we are prepared to be the best supports that we can possibly be. So the first thing, number one, extend grace in the form of patience consideration, and empathy. Extend the grace to the individual in the form of patience. They need your patience. Be patient with them. They may not bounce back so readily in their personality. They may not bounce back with laughter and joy and wanting to go out and hang out and do some of the the normal things they used to do. Be patient with them. Be patient with their crying. Be patient with their their mood swings. Be patient with, you know, the 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 variations of 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 grieving that they'll go through. A good supporter extends grace so that they are being patient with the individual as the individual is processing through this pain, being considerate, being considerate of their spacing, being considerate of their time, being considerate and and understanding that um, this this is traumatic for them. So I'm going to even be considerate in what I say, how I say things, you know, I'm going to be considerate uh, in how much I call, how much I talk. And I don't want to jump ahead on my list, but this, this is just the grace we're extending and extending some empathy in this grace. You know, when you're empathetic, um, empathics know how to put themselves in other people's shoes. And when we're talking about other people's shoes, we're talking about the seat of their emotions, the seat of their thought patterns the seat of their hearts. So while you're extending this grace, make sure you're operating in patience, consideration, and empathy that this is the care that this individual is going to need. Of course, it's all based on their individual needs, but every single person that's grieving needs patience. They need consideration and they need empathy. The second thing, excuse me, listen more. Speak a little less. <laughs> Sometimes don't speak at all. We talk too much. And I know <clears throat> in our efforts to make people feel better, we ramble, we talk, we babble. We, we, we just go, we go, we go, we go. Uh, hello. They are processing for real now. Remember when the individual had first experienced the loss, It was shock sets in and denial and anger. All of these things, they go through these emotional phases initially. But after that burial, which kind of puts a a finality to it, now the true processing begins. And this is not the time to do a lot of talking. This is not a lot the time to start asking a lot of questions. It's not the time to start praying out loud for all of you people that love to pray. Pray, but pray to yourself. 
You can pray for the individual without grabbing their hand and praying for them and holding onto them and praying for them. And, you know, we don't have to put on the displays of prayer. If your heart is sincere, just pray. Just pray for them. They don't even need to know you're praying because if you're praying sincerely, they're going to experience the benefits of the prayer. This is not the time for a lot of scripture quoting to my Christians. This is not the time for that. Yes, they already know all that the Bible, you know, they, all of these things are comforting to the believer. I understand. But we, can't, we have to be mindful, falling back into extending that grace of consideration. We have to be mindful that people's mental capacity does not want to hear all of that in those moments. Just be a considerate ear. He that has an ear, let him hear. <laughs> Just listen. Be the best listener you can be. And sometimes that's so hard because uh, we want to talk. We just, we're just we just wired to have to say something. You know, I need to encourage them. Just encourage them with your presence. Encourage them by lending your ear without saying anything. That's, that's, a, that's a big one. And I know that takes exercise. But my, for all the supporters out there, I'm encouraging you. Exercise listening skills. Listen more. Speak little to none. The third thing, don't crowd the individual. Provide a safe space for them to process. Don't overcrowd them. This includes not being in their homes every day without their request and sometimes even upon their request. It's just not a good practice. Not crowding their homes out after the funeral unless a formal repast has been approved by the bereaved or the bereaved family. Why? Why are we crowding people out? You know, I know in our minds we think they need to be around people. They need to be around people. But there are so many other types of of research findings that show that that is not always the case. Because people, depending on the relationship they had with the one that they lost, sometimes they just need a minute to to digest and to kind of transition from the shock into actually grieving for the loss. And please, by all means, don't start calling them with a bunch of foolishness because I don't know what it is about death and families and how foolishness starts to surfacing. Don't call people with the foolishness. If you heard something, you saw something, you didn't like something, this is not the time to be chattering about it with the bereaved. Be quiet. <laughs> Give the person safe space to process and I know you mean well. If you've heard something, this is not the time to be, oh, let me tell you what I heard. No, no, you, you stop it. We're not being considerate. I know we think we're looking out. We're looking out. You can hold on to that, sis, until this person's in a better space. You can hold on to that, bruh, until he's able to process that part of this whole ordeal. So that's number three. Don't crowd the individual out. Let's let's be safe spaces for them to process. Number four, this is going to be, I know, (laughs) and this is no shade on anyone. Trust me, I've had to learn this myself in all the years that I've dealt with bereaved families. But don't keep asking them how they are feeling. The obvious is that they are hurting, they are grieving, they are in pain. Sometimes they are confused. Sometimes they are angry. Sometimes they don't know what it is that they're feeling. So don't keep asking them how they are feeling. That can become very agitating. 
A better question, though, to ask is, what feelings are you experiencing in this moment? And how can I help you in this moment? How can I be present for you in this moment? Let's not take for granted that, you know, asking them how they're feeling is a good thing. Because it's not. Because feelings during these times fluctuate and are sometimes extreme. They can be laughing one minute and wailing the next. They can be extremely talkative one minute and withdrawing the next. So don't keep asking how they're feeling because that's going to change up. You ask them how they're feeling right now, then you're going to have to keep asking them how they're feeling upon every transition. No, the better thing is if you want to just know where they are in their feelings, what feelings are you experiencing in this moment? And how can I help you in this moment? How can I be present for where you are in this moment? And then take what they have to tell you and abide by that. All right. Number five, when the bereaved go through the painful spots or the, I call them the painful fluctuations, just be present and sensitive to those moments. Once again, sometimes silence is golden. Then there are other times that tender words of understanding and validation and affirmation are golden. We need to learn how to validate, though, and not compare that or or not parallel that to over-spiritualizing the moment. If you're going to validate what they're feeling, validate what they're feeling. But don't come in with a, but God is able, but God is a healer. But no, just validate. Sit with them in the pain. Sit with them in that moment. I've heard so many things said to my best friend and I'm just like, and, and she will tell, she tells me later, like, wow, like I really didn't want to hear that. You know, some of the most comforting things to her has been, you know, when individuals just validate what she's feeling and express to her their, their understanding of her pain. You understand that's, that's what empathy does. All of this ties in together. It's the over-spiritualized ones that she's just like, oh God, if I hear that scripture one more time, if they say this to me one more time, you know, and hey, listen, everyone grieves differently. So you have to know the person that you're supporting because somebody else may enjoy that. We're not going to take that from them, but we're, we're, we're talking about relational uh, support and understanding that I'm supporting someone I truly know and that I truly understand. I'm going to stand with them in this moment. I'm going to validate uh, what they're feeling. I'm not going to over-spiritualize it. Listen, I did not say don't don't invest spiritual spiritual, uh, means into it, but don't over-spiritualize it. As I'm encouraging my best friend and supporting her, yes, I'm constantly, as a believer, I'm constantly uh, giving her spiritual substance to stand on. But at the same time, I refuse to neglect her, her emotional state and override it with an over-spiritualization of that. No, if she's in pain, let's deal with the pain. Let's validate those feelings. I hear you, mama. I, I, I know you're in pain. I know you're hurting. I wish I could, I could take that pain from you. I wish there was something more I could do. You know, these are the ways I'm, I'm validating that. Then I can later, I'm like, you know, God, you know, over time, God is going to heal you. You're going to walk out of this hole. You know, you're going to be restored. But not in the sake, in the name of over, over spiritualizing it. Number six, continue to offer assistance. 
continue. Okay, everything's gone. And we've bought food every day of the week. We've called every and text. Don't stop now because the, the funeral services are over. The families still need to eat. The family still needs finance, financial support. The household still needs caring for. I know for a fact, my best friend just was, this, that, that, this week is, she has just not been in the mood. Not been in the mood, not in the mood to cook, not in the mood to clean, not in the mood to do business, not in the mood to do anything. So this is really truly the time that we can start extending our hands of assistance. Find out, do you need me to come clean for you? I would love to, do you want me to run some errands for you? Do you need me to help with the kids? If you have pet, if they have pets, do you need me to help with the pets? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't stop offering assistance because it's during this phase that the bereaved end up abandoned after such a, just after such a flood of, of support. Now it dies down, it dwindles down to just, you know, just the ones that, you know, are in the family, uh, which all of the families is, are, are grieving. So no one's really able to help each other. <clears throat> this is why they need the help of, of our hands, the extension of our support. <clears throat> so please continue offering your assistance. Don't abandon the bereaved because things are over now. No, things may be over for us as supporters, but they are just beginning for the ones that have suffered the loss. And yes, you know, in my case, um, we all suffered loss, you know, losing her mom. But like I tell everyone, no one, I don't care how close we felt we were to her mother. No one can, can, uh, uh, experience the pain that she and her family are walking through because it was their mother. So we don't want to mix, uh, the grieving, um, together <clears throat> That's not fair. It's not fair to the one who has lost their mother. And only people who have lost their mother will understand what I'm, what I'm sharing in that moment right there. So let's be mindful of that. Continue to offer the assistance and um, let's not abandon the bereaved in this time. They really need us even more now. Number seven, offer psychological support as well. Those are physical things we can do that I just mentioned in number six. But number seven, we can offer some psychological support, uh, some ideas for you. Go for a walk. Take them for a walk. Take them for a long walk. I went on the other day and, and told my best friend, get on some sneakers. Let's go for a walk. We went for a 30-minute walk in the hot sun. Hello. We are in Florida. Um, but it was so needed for her. I want to get her moving, want to get her, her, the, her neurotransmitters uh, flowing properly so that she can have some uppers in her day. You know, play games. I know my best friend loves to play cards. So a lot of times I'm like, get the deck out so I can whoop on you a little bit, girl. Pull the deck out and let's play some for those that are nosy. Some, we like to play gin rummy. Uh, but play some games. Watch funny movies. That's something we haven't had a chance to do yet. But I'm, when, I, when I get to see her this week, I'm going to uh, uh, suggest that for her. Uh, something to make her laugh. You know, do some beach days. Um, sit with them and breathe. That's something I do with her often, even over the phone. I'm like, come on, let's do some deep breathing. Let's breathe in. Let's breathe out. I'm, I'm, I'm provoking her to think on something productive to think because listen, we have to keep the brain working during these times. And as if you're going to be a good supporter, it's just like if you've ever been on the bedside of a, a woman giving birth, which I've had the beautiful experience of doing that 
quite a few times with some ladies, uh, the best thing we can do is to help them stay focused on the task at hand, which is to breathe and to push, to breathe and to push. And so when I'm sitting with her in those moments of breathing, it's just getting her to regulate her breathing and getting her to psychologically advance. And now listen, while you're offering this psychological support, be creative. Don't be dull with it because they need your energy and your energy matters. So if you're, if you're in a funk that day or if you're not in a moment that, or a space that you can be psychologically impactful uh, in a good way, then mm, stay a distance from the day. Send them a text <laughs> uh, because they need your energy more than you know. And then the last thing, be available every single day. Loss takes much time to heal, as I told you earlier, and support should be unyielding. Don't forget about them. I'm reminding you, don't forget about them as your life resumes normality. Make them an intricate part of your routine as you move forward. And that's as simple as making sure you check on them either every morning, every afternoon, every evening, like a routine of it, you know, or if you're going to check on them every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or, you know, every two days, like create a routine, put them in your routine. And just always remind them that I'm available and don't take it personally if they don't uh, take advantage of that. Because once again, everyone grieves differently and it's more about them than about us as the supporters. Remember, guys, no one could ever be fully prepared to cope with loss. It's a process that we all walk through distinctively. And if we've not walked through it, we will in the future to come. But what we can prepare for is having a set of protocols or guidance on how to support those that go through these unexpected, unprepared moments in life. Supporters, my fam, you are the real deal. You guys are the real deal. Your role is so significant. And when you support well, it helps those you love continue to live and thrive despite the loss. Know that I see you. I feel you guys. I'm with you. You got this. We got this. And let's continue to reconstruct what authentic and effective support looks like. You guys know I love you. And you know I am counting on you to be the best supporters ever. I hope these two episodes have been impactful and that they will carry you for the for for a long time to come. Uh, whether you're with someone who's grieving now or whether you will experience this at a later time, I hope it sticks and I hope it has been helpful in preparing you to be the best support ever. Have a great one, guys.